Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to My Millennial Money with John Pigeon today, a takeover, Glenn's absent, uh, so it's just me versus the world, or with the world, should I say. I have the pleasure of doing a clarity call, a live clarity call with Zoe. Welcome, Zoe. Hi, John. Thank you for having me. No, I'm privileged to be able to chat to you today. You're coming all the way from Sydney? Yes, yes. Well, uh, I'm, I'm keen to get to know a little bit more about your situation and hopefully I can help you uh, get on the, the right path with your next uh, purchase or first purchase, should I say. So without uh, any more ado, let's get into it. So, Zoe, I've got all your notes in front of me, so we will expand on on that as we go. But uh, high level, uh, we are renting at the moment. We're paying about two hundred dollars a week, so let's call it ten grand a year. You and your partner combined income of one hundred and forty thousand. Let's round figure that. Um, you've been with your current employer about twelve months, um, and he is self-employed. What does he do for work? Um, he is a carpenter, so he has a carpentry business that he started. Yeah, for about a year now. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And on a scale of one to ten, uh, both of you, how much do you enjoy your jobs or your businesses? Ten being the best. Oh. Well, I think for me, it fluctuates because obviously having just started my career, you know, I'm still learning. So um, sometimes it's hard learning. <laughs> um, but I'd say generally for me, it's maybe around maybe around a seven, more so when I get to be in the office. Um, and for my partner, um, you know, he's he's in the stage of um, trying to figure out what he wants to do and dealing with understanding how to be um, his own boss. So I'd say enjoyment probably around a nine, but um, the experience of running a business probably more like a five <laughs> yeah so he's been been in his own business for 18 months so yeah. he's really in the infancy stage of of his business life isn't he so uh, if I look back to when I first started there's uh, it's a bit of the unknown you wake up not really knowing what you're doing <laughs> he knows he's probably a good ca- carpenter but yeah. working for someone is uh, is quite stress-free from that point of view other than being told what to do but yeah running your own shows a, a completely different story which I'm sure he's finding out exactly yeah he knows he's good at what he does he just has to navigate everything else (laughs) yeah I'm sure he'll be fine but uh yeah so that's good so you're a seven he's a nine so that's awesome I think if we're a three or a four then we've uh, sometimes what we end up doing is trying to put band-aids on our life um and and it might be okay let's go and buy a property because I hate my job and I want to retire early or something like that so it's good to see that you're, you're both enjoying what you do now, renting two hundred dollars a week—that's cheap rent in Sydney. How's that come about? <laughs> uh, 
I think, well, um, when we, when we first, uh, signed the tenant, the lease, um, we did a bit of negotiating and it's, it's not in, it's in a bit of a busy area. Um, but the house itself is quite unique, but it just happens to suit us where, um, it's, yeah, it's in a bit, bit of a busy street, but, um, yeah, a bit of negotiating. Um, and trying to find the right property, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well done. So what would you say market rent might be in that area? Uh, well, I mean, total rent for our place is, is around 600 and that's a two-bedroom. Um, market rent, probably quite comparable. Um, I'd say I'm, I've been surprised that they haven't raised the rent in the couple of years we've lived here, um, but I'd say probably like 650 maybe is a bit more reasonable for other places. Sure. Okay. So uh, a tip for people listening is to, is to negotiate and haggle your, your rent and also cram what three people into a two bedroom. Is that how it's uh, looking? That's how it's done, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, very good. Okay, cool. So you've got around about 180K, which is a mixture of savings and investments. Can we break that down for a moment and just uh, outline how much we've maybe got to put towards a, a property purchase? Sure. Well, this week is probably a bad indication of how much I've gotten shares because I don't know if anyone else <laughs> is invested, but it's taken a bit of a plummet. Um, but, uh, prior to this week, um, it was, I was sitting at about 140 in shares. Um, that 140 is in self wealth, um, in a mixture of different ETFs. Um, and then I have around, around 20 grand in a uh, spaceship. Um, and then the remaining 20 is um, cash in my savings account. Okay, awesome. And and just out of interest with that 140 combination of ETFs, self wealth, et cetera, uh, do you manage all that yourself? Do you have someone that you speak to with in regards advice or how's, how's all that been built? Uh, that was just built. Um, well, they're not too risky choices. I've tried to play quite conservative, but um, – I did a whole bunch of research and obviously resources like this podcast was very helpful. Um, so I, you know, I, I made my own spreadsheet outlaying all the fees and previous performance and kind of broke down what they were um, all consisting of to make sure I was kind of covering all the bases I was interested in. Yeah. So I do it myself, but it's quite stagnant. I did the big investment um, and have only done a few little top ups. Yeah, nice. Well done. And that 140 odd, how long has it taken you to build that? Uh, well, I've always been quite a good saver, but um, I actually came into a, a little bit of inheritance um, last year. Unfortunately, um, my grandma passed away and uh, Sorry that, to hear that, thank you. Yeah. And I had um, about, yeah, about 130 of that was um, inheritance um, and the rest I topped up with the savings I had at the time. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, and that came in around midway through last year. So I've only been had that big investment since, yeah, around mid, mid last year. Yeah, sure. And how did you feel about that 130? Like it, it's an emotional 130, isn't it? Did you feel as though I don't want to stuff this up for one of a better word or, or do I do I keep it in cash and just keep it safe like what was your emotions around that uh well I definitely considered every option um I talked to as many people as I could um you know people older and wiser than me but I, I guess financial security has always been something I've been striving for you know my, my parents are, are still renting we've rented the majority of my life um and that home ownership and having that financial security is something I really value. So hence why I put so much effort into understanding what I was doing and just 
talking to so many people and reading as much as I could. Yes. But I definitely felt an ob- obligation and, um, you know, the motivation to, to make it go as far as I could. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I was going to go there, but I'll go there now. You mentioned your parents renting. Um, has that been? Ha, have they had other investments through their journey, or they've just been had a had a concept where they're spending majority of what they're earning through their life, or have they just um, poured it into the kids for for their future? How's that all played out? A bit of a mixture there, John. Um, we, my parents, would uh, got divorced uh, at least like over ten years ago now, so um, they had to, you know, sell sell the house and split the proceeds. And I think they sold it probably at quite a bad time, but um, in an emotional time, you kind of do what you have to do. Mm. Um, so it's a combo of that, and um, you know, then living on single incomes, um, and also into the kids. You know, my um, my parents were able to put me into a really good school. Um, so that maybe also comes towards the obligation to try to do the best with, with what I can, because if I know how hard it was for my parents to do that for me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's but awesome. no other investments other than that, no property, um, nothing. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. So out of that one, uh, 80 ish, which might be 160 now by the look. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> what, uh, how, how much are you wanting to dedicate to a property purchase? Uh, well, in, in my current job, I have quite a steady, uh, quite a high income, I would say, and, and I'm able to save quite a bit per week. Um, so I'd be quite comfortable putting the majority of that into a property, obviously saving um, a bit of an emergency fund, um, probably quite a bit more than what I have right now. But in, in my head, I've kind of been um, working with it probably be good to keep around maybe 20k-ish liquid after um, all the costs involved in buying a property and that's emergency fund and then also obviously like if things need to be done to the house I can save up for as well yeah okay so would you say you need about 15k of emergency funds so roughly your cost to exist might be around four or five grand a month uh I've I've done the math recently but um I, I know at least I'm able to save um purely towards like house deposit is $700 a week and that's uh, before any of my costs for rent or the other savings I have as per Glenn James spending plan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, quite shameless plug there. Yes. So <laughs> you've got, um, yeah, so roughly about four grand it costs you, give or take, to, to live. Um, yeah. So if you wanted to use a three-month um, guide, that's 12, 12 grand as, as an emergency fund. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. And you're telling me you're saving about three grand a month, so let's call it thirty six thousand a year. Is that still on track? And and if so, do you like you've got a prox at the start of that? So I sort of have a a, a little bit of a concern when someone says about or or a prox is is that an amount that goes into a separate account, uh, non negotiable, or is it just depending on the month how I'm feeling, what bills I've got to pay? No, that's that's not negotiable, and I think the approx comes from that's the base of what I'm able to save. Um, my income has gone up slightly over the twelve months I've been with my employer, um, and at, at the end of financial year, I'm expecting and, and hoping um, for a bit of a raise there as well. So that's a baseline of what I'm able to save a month. Okay, nice. And and in the next three to five years, how do you see in your industry your uh, your income going up? Um, as in, like, amount-wise, how much? Yeah, yeah. Like, traditionally, for your role, mm-hmm. what would you um, see as a, as a progression? Well, I know um, in, in my role it's quite a, a lockstep. Um, so 
I mean, I'm on around, uh, I think it's around 90K. You probably have the stats in front of you, but yeah, around 90K a year. Um, and I'm expecting that to go up probably around 10 to 12% every year. Every um, year. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. And that's exclusive of bonuses, which um, I might be able to make or any anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, I've got in front of me 86363 as an annual salary for you at the moment. So yeah, yeah, and for privacy reasons, we're not mentioning the occupation. Um, so yeah, that that's good. So we can ideally save the difference of our increase. We'll pay a little bit of tax on that increase each year, but we can ideally put that portion away, uh, whether that be to our to our mortgage or just simply future funds to go and invest with or um, enjoy. Okay. So your partner saves also about sixteen hundred, but I would imagine that sixteen hundred a month. I would imagine that running his own business eighteen months in that that would fluctuate a little bit. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, it just depends on what he has going on at the moment. Yeah, and and just for reference um, or interest, does he separate his personal from business, or is it just simply all one big money pool? <laughs> oh, it'd be good if it was a big pool, but no, he, um, he, well, for his sake, um, he divides it. So he has his business account and his personal account. Um, and then he pays, um, himself a salary each week, um, from that business account. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So 18 months in, he's got the structures right by the sounds of it, which is great. And he's also able to pay himself a salary, which is pretty good for a, for a business owner that early in their journey. Yeah. Okay. So combine the savings together. We're at about 56000 per year combined. So that that's really great. And when I look at, uh, this is the property investor talking, I suppose, I, I look at where when I was saving money, where's my next deposit coming from and when? So I, I worked on that fifty grand a year. If I can save that, that'd be awesome. So it's back then. It was a new deposit every year. Um, yeah. Pro- property yeah. price is a little bit cheaper back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but now it might be every two years. If um, if you can get a hundred thousand, that's um, say seventy five grand plus stamps um, on a a five hundred k property or six hundred k property or something like that. So yeah, just for just for reference sake. So you mentioned that your short-term goals, home ownership and building financial foundations, home ownership, you, you said you're open to either living in your own home or buying an investment property and we'll expand on that. Um, what does financial foundations mean to you? Well, I guess that is a, is a mixture of, um, well, obviously having some sort of uh, home equity sort of building in the back in the background um, and paying off a mortgage steadily. Um, but, you know, it also means maybe after I do that, trying to see if I should, um, any extra money I have after mortgage repayments and house costs, uh, you know, whether that's making voluntary contributions to my super or if that's, uh, you know, having some investments going on in the background still. Um, so I guess just having the structure that I can um, establish and then kind of ma- maintain as the next couple of years go on. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Work smarter, not harder sort of approach. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good approach. And would you say when we put shares on one side of the page and property on the other, which one have you got more of a, a fascination or an interest in? Um, I think... Ultimately, it would be property, and I think that does come down to um, it mostly being dependent on if I was able to do it with my partner, if it was going to be both, um, 
you know, a purchase in, in both our names, both our finances, because obviously he's he's really handy, and I think um, that would be something that we'd be we we'd be good homeowners, is what I'm saying. I think we'd be able to add value to a place and um, really enjoy that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and look, look, that's a positive in the home ownership corner when your your partner is a carpenter and he's handy. But I would also say that we don't go and buy a property just because your partner's handy either. We've um, we've got to take into account all all of the um, aspects of of the right move for us. So um, I think on that financial foundations, I I, I think there's four pillars of financial foundation. Uh, one of them is uh, paying off your own home or your, your mortgage that you live in. Um, and that might not come straight away. That might be later if we're rent investors. Uh, the second one is increase your cash at all times so that you've got that security blanket even over and above your your emergency buffers because that gives you choices for further investing or lifestyle choices. Um, the third one is increasing your assets. So super shares, property uh, or even business, so that you've got assets that are growing for you or at least giving you cash flow. And then the last one is decreasing your tax as best you can legally. So we want to be working, I think, on all four of those at any one time or at least three out of the four if you're a rent vester. Um, because what I see a lot of, Zoe, is uh, a lot of people focus on paying their own home over the next 10, 15 years and, and rightly so. They, that's the house they're living in. They want to get that mortgage down, security for the kids, etc. cetera. Uh, but then they, they forget to go and invest or they don't have the mindset or they think it's too risky to go and invest over that period and they've lost a whole property cycle or a whole share cycle of growth and, uh, and, and they're playing catch up a lot of the time, um, especially if they start that later on in life. So that would be a, a big recommendation for, for anyone is to always be looking at those four pillars and, and thinking about which one am I going to add to that at any one time. So you've mentioned career satisfaction. So you mentioned also that you're a seven out of 10. So the satisfaction at the moment we would say is pretty good, but you want career trajectory which uh, sounds as though you're getting and if you continue to be good at what you do, that will maybe accelerate um, and and maintain that work-life balance, yeah? Yeah, big time. So what does the work-life balance mean to you? Like how what, – what would you say is a good balance? I'd say a good balance is uh, – I, I think work-life balance maybe is a bit of an outdated term, but um, just having everything that – that you do for a living, I guess. So that for me, that's, um, you know, obviously working, earning, earning money and, and developing my skills and knowledge in that respect. Um, it's whatever hobbies I have. Um, it's, you know, fitness and exercise as well. I think, and obviously social and, and, and friends and family. But I think to me, it's not letting one thing, um, dominate. And as, and often I see, and especially in my workplace, I see work dominate and I see it take over that extra time, not that extra time, the other time that they could be dedicating to things that they care about um, otherwise. 
Yeah, no, that's a great point. I agree with the whole work-life being an outdated term. I think it's it's life balance, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, and just making sure your pizza slices in your life are uh, are, are content and, and equal. Um, and and if I if I have a pizza and I've got four slices, the highest priorities in my life might be uh, work, health, family and uh, friends, for example. So how are they all operating, again, on a scale of 1 out of 10 um, every week, every month, every year? And if, as you mentioned, if you in your workplace, if you're seeing the, the work or vocation being at an 8 or a 9, I'm killing it at work, yet I don't see my family and my health is suffering and I never see friends and all those sort of things are dropping off, I've got a very imbalanced uh, life, haven't I? Mm, and that brings down the score you might have for work as well because I feel like if I'm not a well-rounded person and have all these the different things that I love and enjoy in life chugging along, then how you know work is going to suffer and it just won't be as enjoyable. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that's good. So for, for someone that's youngish, do you, do you want to state your age? Yeah, I'm 25. Yeah, so as someone that's 25, um, you've really got that in perspective, which is amazing. So well done on that. But I think what we said before, John, it comes down to just seeing how my parents, you know, the things that they had to give up and the um, lack of financial freedom that they, they had in their lives. So that's something I really care about. Yeah, so maybe running away from what you saw was not the ideal situation, which yeah. uh, which is a great motivator um, and, and not being bitter about it, but just learning from it. Yeah, hugely, and trying to help help them when I can as well. Yeah, yeah, outstanding. Okay, so where is your partner on this journey for you? Like, if uh, if if John wasn't engaged, uh, you two are sitting at home having a chat on the couch. What's his two cents worth around the next step or the roadblock at the moment? Well, I think for him at the moment, his main priority is um, growing his business and uh, trying to put as much of his energy, but then also, you know, the money that's involved into that. Um, obviously, I'm completely supportive of that because he's not at all in the same financial situation that I'm in. And also the same career, mine's very predictable. And I can, as we talked about before, I can estimate where I'm going to be in a couple of years, hopefully. <laughs> um, so he is... He wants to, he has the same values as me. He wants to own a house and he wants to start building that foundation. Um, but I think at the moment he might not be in a position to, um, for example, take on a mortgage and have it, have that sort of financial um, responsibility. Um, but saying, saying that he is open to exploring what we can do. And I guess that was a big part of wanting to talk to you, John, trying to figure out, um, you know, whether it's something that I should be maybe trying to focus on doing myself and based on my financial situation um, and how we could maybe in, in, into um, interlope him as well. Sure. Okay. So this is probably getting a bit deeper into the relationship status, but uh, are, you, are you both happy to commit to a mortgage together? Like, is this a long-term thing that we're, we're wanting to nut out? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Both committed and happy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, um, the elephant in the room's gone now. We can get on with uh, with making some good decisions, but but high level, if you were to go and, and uh, invest on your own without him, there's no uh, hard feelings. It's just it's what's what's yours is ours sort of thing. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that might be a bit harder to get him to understand um, because, you know, being not having the finances that I do, um, I've tried to stress that anything that I do is going, is intended to be for the benefit of us both, whether it's, you know, down the track or um, that sort of thing. So, yeah, he's trying to get his head around that a bit more as well. Okay, so there sounds though like there's still a little bit of water under the bridge there to, to work that out because I think the last thing you want is if you were to go and invest on your own for that to divide the, the not completely ruin the relationship but just, uh, yeah, I, I feel as though Zoe's doing her own thing and, and now I'll go and do mine sort of thing. Now, I'm, I'm not a relationship um, therapist by any means but uh, I think we would really need to get on the same page if that was the direction you were taking. And, yeah, and I think talking to people like you, John, is, is helping to get on the same page because, um, you know, we, we need to know what we can do. But I, I said I said to him, if I go and do this and do an investment by myself, like I'd really love to still have you involved in the decision-making process and the um, the management of it. But purely financial, it, if it was an investment, it would just be me. Cool. Okay. Nice. Maybe he can listen to the recording. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I can involve him. <laughs> if you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, so the question of what your current roadblocks are is uh, you've mentioned deciding best path to home ownership, investment or principal place of residence and by myself, by myself or with my partner, which we've sort of spoken about already. Um what will the banks lend you individually and collectively? Do you know that yet? So we talked to the mortgage broker and um, they gave us kind of two breakdowns. They did an owner-occupied breakdown and an investment purchase breakdown. The purchase price that I could do for both those options was 750000 um, with the loan amount differing slightly um, owner-occupied um, and investment. So owner-occupied was around 600, investment was around 607, so quite similar there. Okay, sure. So either way you look at it, you could purchase something for 750 if it was just Zoe lending. 
yeah, and at the moment with yeah, in my current financial situation, yeah. Sure. Okay. Cool. And what about uh, jointly? If you were to both uh, lend money, what would the banks um, say to you? Because sometimes the second person can be a disadvantage, not an advantage, um, especially in his early stages of business with maybe lack of financials. Yeah, um, we actually didn't end up uh, asking for a, a breakdown of that sort of option, us both doing it together, um, because we were told that it he would need uh, two years of um, tax returns for the business, and that would only happen in about like July this year. Um, so we decided just to kind of understand my situation, like based on my finances, and then um, explore the option of doing it together later on. Um, yeah. Sure. Okay. And and were you talking to a mortgage broker or was it just a bank? Mortgage broker. Yeah. All right. And what lender was that through, if you don't mind me asking? So we talked about the option of um, an LMI waiver based on my profession. Um, so the mortgage broker uh, was saying that right now uh, they know that ANZ is one of the only lenders kind of lending to um, someone in my profession at my kind of income level. Uh, so for the investment purchase, um, they talked about ANZ being the option, um, but otherwise for an occupied where the um, loan to value ratio would be less than 80%, um, they were saying, you know, there's obviously a lot more bank options for that. Okay. And did you talk to them about joint options with ANZ? Because the last time I spoke to a broker, ANZ were taking 12 months of financials for business owners. Uh, no, I have not, did not hear that. So that's good to know. Okay. And I don't think they're the only ones either. So I would go back to the broker. Step number one or action step number one from this chat <laughs> is to look at your borrowing capacity for both scenarios uh, yeah. and, and, and just ask them about the whole self-employed 12 months financials with ANZ and any other lenders because um, for that particular broker, there may be some banks not on their panel, I don't know. So mm, okay. um, just just look into that. But obviously if they've recommended ANZ, then that they are on their panel. So there shouldn't mm. be any reason why that couldn't be the case. But as I mentioned before, the financials may not be strong enough for uh, him to come in and be a financial benefit to the loan. It may be actually a, a disadvantage. But either way, we want to know because we don't want to look back and say, well, hang on, we could have lent and bought something in joint names and this is how much we could have borrowed but we didn't know that at the time so that's that's pretty critical sure okay um, and maybe it might be something you go into later um but also uh, my partner might be able to bring um well his, my partner's parents might be able to offer um a guarantee at some stage as well or a, a cash injection cool okay so all of a sudden your partner is now pretty important yeah, so that's where it kind of weighs up. I have the immediate cash right now, um, but he has these other options that could kind of offer a different um, different pathway for us. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's wheel back around to that 750 and we're just working on those numbers today because we don't know what we can borrow jointly. Yeah. Um, what would 750 buy us in an area that we're living in Sydney or an area that we want to live for the next, say, five to ten years? <laughs> uh, not much. Uh, <laughs> car park? Yeah, car I've been, yeah, keeping an eye on things just because I obviously find it interesting um, and seeing kind of where that money goes. Um, and it would probably be um, a one-bedroom apartment 
you'd be probably lucky to get a lockup garage, maybe um, at, at, at minimum probably a carport um, in the um, block, block a unit. Maybe it might need a bit, a bit of work, but yeah, it would get you the basics basically. Okay, so seven fifty for where you want to live gets you a one-bedroom apartment with maybe a lockup garage. Yeah, with like 10 other people at the auction competing with you. <laughs> it's pretty hot at the minute, is it? Yeah. Okay. So if you were to maybe relinquish living in that particular suburb or surrounding and you went a little bit further out, uh, would that be an option for you to, to live in, to, to buy your own home that might be a two-bed or a three-bed or, or something similar for uh, the same price? Well, I think I think if then we were um, saying about not living in the area that we'd like to live in, that's when I'd be like, oh, well, we'll just rent where we want to live and then use that money for a better value somewhere as an investment to then work towards hopefully using some sort of equity and saving more to buy our own place where we do want to live in a couple of years. Sure. Okay. And, and you're not fussed that the area that you do want to live, uh, by the sounds of it, it's performing quite well, is is going to disappear from your reach, even though you may be saving well. Well, I I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to weigh up, I guess, because you know we where you live is such a deciding factor of of your life and what you enjoy, and you know getting to work and friends and family and stuff. So, um, I think my thoughts is, oh, hey, well, if we could rent somewhere that we like living maybe I can have the money elsewhere in a, in a really good investment that's performing well and I can keep up my, my good savings uh, practices and then maybe my partner will be in a different situation in a little while and might be able to help in that respect. So I see it, yeah, it could it could weigh itself up if we went down that route. Yeah, okay. All right, I can see why it's not straightforward answer for you, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned here that you at the beginning of your career, relatively speaking, unsure what your path will be. You don't want mortgage repayments to restrict the career choices that you make. So tell me a bit about that. Well, I guess I'm I'm just trying to project into the future. And, and as we said, I'm only um, a year into my professional career. Um, and there are so many different things I could do with, with my qualification and different um, routes I could go down. And... I'm not sure if, if I want to be in the, um, the current job I'm in and also the, um, the workplace I'm in for the foreseeable future. Um, I think right now I at least see myself not being as junior, like maybe doing a couple of years in this role and getting the really good training that I want. Um, and then being open to pivoting and seeing what other opportunities are out there. I just think it would be such a shame to have, um, a decision. Uh, like what I do for a living, um, dependent on how much I have to pay each month for for a mortgage. And going back, you know, I've, I've seen my parents have to do that, like money money make the decision for them, and that's something I would really like to um, avoid if I can. Yeah. Okay. No, I totally get that. So, if you were to take out a six hundred k loan, and you got the parental guarantor, you um, yeah, you basically lent six hundred for round figures. Let's say the interest rate was 3%. I know we can get less, but let's work on 3%. You're going to be paying 18 grand a year in interest, right? So at the moment, you're both paying $200 a week in rent. Yeah. Which is 20 grand a year, right? So a $600,000 mortgage basically 
is similar to the current rent you're paying. Mm. And when you said 18 grand interest, is that just interest? Just, just interest, yeah. We're not taking into account the principal because when when we're looking at rent vesting or renting versus living in our own home, we're really comparing interest payable to the bank because that's going down the drain mm-hmm. versus paying a landlord a rent amount because that's going down the drain as well. Okay. The principal is coming off the mortgage, so that's actually increasing our equity amount, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So the outgoings in your life will be more because you've got the principal repayment on top of it, but when we're talking rent versus interest, you're actually about the same with a 600K mortgage at 3%. Now, again, it might take a couple of years to get to 3%, but I'm just forecasting for the future with a bit of a buffer. Yeah, I haven't thought about that before really, but that's great to know. So the question then is, right, we're living in a two-bedroom here at the moment, but we might as well be living in a one-bed because we're sharing. Well, we, we have the benefit of having a bit of a sunroom off our, off our bedroom, so we have quite a big space, which is good. Yeah, and it's okay. a standalone house as well, yeah. Sure. Okay, so could you find something comparable for what you're living in for 700000 750000 I I don't know, John, because we you know we have a lockup garage and we have it, it's a house, not an apartment. Um, yeah. And yeah, we have quite a bit of space to move around. Um, I think any place that we would be purchasing to live in would be um, a downsize in the respect of like how our, our space that we're in right now. Okay, and if we did downsize and we bought our own home to live in or apartment. How long could we live there until we potentially grew out of that? Because I did see the the word kids in the mix. I think that's just me trying to be be reason, responsible with, with looking in the future and, and reasonable. Um, that is definitely on the cards, but not for a long time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I think yeah, I, I at least at least five years. Um, no kids, but you know, I, I have family that live all over the place and. Um, you know, we, we have different hobbies that it would be great to have an extra room to be able to have those in, have people come stay. So um, to me, having a two-bedroom place buying is, I would be, maybe it's a big call, but almost a non-negotiable if we were going to be living in it. Sure. We would be looking to rent a two-bedroom place. Yeah, okay. And and what would you be paying for rent for a two-bedder? Um, I'd say probably around 550 or 500-ish, Um yeah, so a week. Be, yeah, a week, yeah. So hundred, let's call it worst case, hundred and fifty a week more mm. to live in what you want to live in and not have to have a, a shared apartment. Yeah, and it would be closer to family and in, in a you know in a location that we spend a lot of time in anyway. So yeah, okay. So seven and a half grand, hundred and fifty a week, is what we'd be increasing if we were to live on our own, and mm. then we could have someone stay, and we could also uh, have maybe our firstborn live there with us and at a stretch our secondborn. But that's crazy. That's <laughs> going to be five to ten. I don't want to ski too much though, yeah. but that could be <laughs> ten years away plus. Because I think and, and we're, I'm sort of flipping about it, but we've got to think about these things when we're buying this property now. We don't want to go three years down the track. It's like, oh, let's plan for a family now. Hang on, we've only got a one better. What are we going to do? Now, it's qu- quite easy if you're renting. You can just get out and 
go and find a two better, but it does increase the costs. And when you're concerned about your, your mortgage and your running costs and your lifestyle, getting a nice balance there, we've got to factor in the what ifs in that, in that next 10 year period. Because, and why I sort of hang my hat on a 10 year period is usually that's a, a full property cycle um, or very close to. So it, it allows growth in an asset over that 10-year period. Now, it might not happen in the first three years and it might not happen in the first five years, but by 10 years, you've given it every chance. And if you're still sitting there in 10 years and, and your asset hasn't grown, then, yeah, you haven't bought very well. But that's um, we want to avoid that from the outset. Yeah. Yeah. So it it, it is leaning towards one thing, right? We've got to go and see what 750 will buy us as a minimum two bed because we're not going to buy one better. You've, you've mentioned that one's not an option really. So what would 750 buy us in a suburb that we're prepared to live in and not, uh, I suppose, downgrade our lifestyle? And what are we f- are prepared to forego? And, and see what the answer is. And you may know that now. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, th- I think the living space is something that we'd like to not um, forego. But for example, like parking, you know, that's flexible. Um, yeah, different things like that. And if it's a great location, perhaps we don't need like a balcony or something, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Okay. So, again, rounding things out, we look at, we need to look at the joint lending potential. So, looking at, business, financials, can we lend money? Is your partner detriment or, or uh, an improvement to the lending situation? And, and if we wait till July, which is only four months away at the time of recording, uh, what will we potentially be able to lend then? Right, Because the market's not going to go bananas in four, four months. Um, so that's step one. Step two is research the market's two-bedroom minimum at 750. What can I get? Now, not what's advertised at 750, what actually is selling for 750 because there's a difference there, isn't there? Yeah, big time. And once we get the answer to those two things, I think you can be quite clear on your answer because that'll tell you, Yes, we can live in this property for seven fifty. It's two bed. It's a lock up garage. It ticks the boxes for the next five to ten years. Or no, we're not going to get anything in the suburbs that we we would like to live in, and we're not prepared to go further out or an inferior location for that seven fifty. So if that's the case, then it points straight to rent vesting. Yeah, and I mean, I don't mean to sound um, inflexible when I'm saying I only want to live in this one suburb, but it's I I have the the real um, benefit of of having choice right now, and um, I think where you live, if you can, and I know a lot of people can't, um, I, I just want it to be somewhere that that will aid and help and help our lifestyle. Yeah, and if you said to me at the start of the conversation, John, I don't care where I live, I just want my own home, what's the best option or what type of property would be my best home to live in, then we'd be down a different track, wouldn't we? But we've got some some rules and regulations around what you're prepared to do, which is great. Like that's that's fine. You, you own your own life, so you're taking control of it. Um, and it, it's all about sacrifices. And if we're not prepared to make a sacrifice here, then we have to cop it over there sort of thing. Um, but if we are, if we do do that research, step one and two that I mentioned, 
and you find that, yeah, it's now definitely pointing to rent vesting. We need to understand when will we want our principal place of residence because uh, it sounds though you will at one stage and how much can we be saving over the next 10 years in order to do that and and what will it cost us to get into the particular market at the moment. We can't forecast what it's going to be like in 10 years and how much it will cost but we can definitely guarantee our savings amount minimum now because you told me that you're saving, um, what did we say? You told me that you're saving combined 56000 a year. So hang your hat on that and make sure we are saving that as an absolute minimum. And hopefully that can increase to hundred grand a year when your partner's carpentry business um, explodes, right? So if you're doing that, then, and you've got an asset through an investment and your living costs are no higher because you you haven't, the, the property's not costing you anything to hold as an investment and your renting's not costing anymore, then you're really giving yourself the best chance to one, grow the assets and two, get into your own rock in five, six, seven, ten years' time. Mm. And I guess something as well that is, is will help make the decision whether we do go down the rent vesting path or not is the factor of, um, you know, whether we, how much weight we should put onto a potential parental guarantee or, um, you know, because my, my partner's parents are in quite a comfortable financial situation and would be able to help. Um, so that's also a part of the complexity in the decision. <laughs> yeah. So if, if the parental guarantee was brought into the picture, mm-hmm. how much could you lend? Uh, as in how much, like, deposit will I make up? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could, I could do any, any amount. Sorry, I don't, I don't know if I know what you mean. Uh, okay. So have, have you spoken to the, the broker about the parental guarantor? Um, well, because when we talked to the broker, it was, um, kind of just basing it on my situation. We didn't go fully down that route. Um, and that was something that we thought we'd consider because obviously I'm not going to be able to get a parental guarantee if it was just in my name from my partner's parents. Um, so that's kind of bundled in with, with if, if he wants to be involved and actually can be involved, sure. then that's when we consider it. So, um, I, I know at least, uh, we've kind of played around with ballpark figures, like maybe they'd come in with a five or 10% of the make, make up of the 20% deposit. So, you know, I'd make up uh, my partner and I would make up the other 10 to 15%. Okay. Cause there's, there's two options. There's a parental guarantor where, the their asset is covering the LMI amount, mm-hmm. right, or the difference between the deposit and the twenty percent. Um, or there's here's a wad of cash. Go and buy yourself a property. Now, which which case there's no parental guarantor. It's just a cash um, loan, if you want to call it that. Yeah, and I think both option would be um, available as well. We've we've kind of talked about talked about both as well. Okay, so the restriction on that option is how comfortable you are to have a certain mortgage, right? Now, we've done the numbers on 600K. If that was all of a sudden an 800K mortgage, uh, it's now 24 grand of interest only at 3% per year. That's a little bit higher, but still manageable for you. But put principal on top of that. Now we've got a scenario where we have to weigh up are we comfortable with that? Is that retracting from our lifestyle um, and our career progression and those sort of things? Yeah. 
Yeah. So you've got to hang your hat on this is the maximum loan amount that we're comfortable with in these times um, and and then reverse engineer it from there. Yeah, not just can we make the deposit. (laughs) Yeah, deposit's only a very small portion of the conversation. Yeah. Um, It's because you've got this loan for the next 20 or 30 years and you're the one that's solely responsible for it. I mean, as in you too. There's no one else unless you get someone in to to help cover the running costs. Um, it, it's on you guys. So you need to be hamp, um, not not hampered by the the running costs um, in especially in the next ten years. But also thinking about if we are going to have kids, and I don't want to scare you, Zoe. But if that's happening, when we're now back on one income for a little bit of time, how's that going to work in respect to the running costs? And it might be all manageable, but these are the things that you need to be thinking about before you say, yeah, let's go and buy that $900,000 property in um, whatever suburb. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that comes down to as well me saying I don't want money to be ruling the um, career decisions I'm making as well. And even I guess more so for my partner too, you know, he's, he's trying to do his own thing. So Yeah, that's right. And and there's it's definitely a positive in the fact that he's a carpenter and he can improve the dwelling that you're living in. However, I know starting your own business, it's quite stressful and you're busy enough during Monday and Friday. Does he want to be doing that on the weekends and after hours as well? Um, and you might be up for the challenge initially, but it may wear him down as well. So there's a there's some a good solid conversation that you both need to have on a number of levels. Uh, one, how much do we want our own home to live in, and where are our suburb parameters? Uh, what mortgage are we both comfortable that we can manage and not go over that amount? And what will that buy us? And um, and then looking at in those markets. If if seven fifty was our cap or eight hundred was our cap, just exactly uh, what that's going to to look like in the, in the two bedroom space as a minimum. Um, but yeah, step number one is mortgage broker, and uh, step number two, well, within step number one, it's discussing the parental guarantor. What's the maximum amount? Um, and then the the second one is researching the markets and the mortgage repayments based on that. What are your thoughts if if um parents are in a position to either do a guarantee or a cash um, injection slash loan. What are your thoughts on either or as a better option? Uh, Good question. Yeah, Look, I think the cash advance, does that need to be paid back is the first part of that (laughs) and the answer to that is yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, so we need to think about that Mm -hmm. um, and, and how much we can lend if there is a cash advance. Yeah. And then the parental guarantor bit, I don't actually mind it because they're not physically putting up the cash, they're just using the collateral or the asset value of their home, right? The risk to them is if you stop paying the mortgage, right? But as long as you continue to pay the mortgage and then the LVR gets up to 80%, they can clear themselves off your mortgage. Right, okay. So maybe that comes down to a bit of a relationship as well. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, and there's no one size fits all, but the second option is definitely a more of a, a, a clear, clean way where you, you haven't got the, the mortgage um, or the, the loan to pay back to parents. But uh, the, the biggest one is, is how much can we afford to pay um, each month on our mortgage, principal and interest, and, and just know that we're factoring in a little bit of a, a rate increase over the next few years as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, any other questions before we start to, to round that out? Uh, well, I mean, it might be too much of a rabbit hole to go down, but then I guess if, if the decision, well, either if we made the decision or if the decision was made for us that we wanted to um, rent vest, uh, you know, how how <laughs> investment property and that kind of, you know, whether, whether it would be um, like just me doing it, um, which I think maybe that's what paths are leading to, but. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you're going down the investment path, it'd be you doing it on your own for for lending and just uh, to to have that as an investment property for you. But having that good conversation to make sure absolutely you're both comfortable with that and there's no hard feelings and and also having a vision for when you will have the deposit for your own home to live in because when when people say to me, "Oh, we don't want our own home for 10 years." That's great, but then five years comes along and, and all of a sudden, yeah, we want our own home now. Oh, we haven't got enough cash. What do we do? We have to sell the investment property. That's derailed our, our whole strategy to begin with and uh, we're not back to square one, but, we're yeah, we, we are impacted there. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe what's been in my head is, okay, well, if we were going to rent best and then um, go, I was going to go down the investment property route, I would like to hopefully be able to buy somewhere that I don't really know much about it, but I could maybe use one day to draw upon equity to then use as a deposit. Like in my head, I see it if I can have investment property kind of going on, you know, paying for itself, ticking away in the background, I can keep up my savings habits. To me, that maybe is ill-informed, but almost like a double saving technique if, if I can. Yeah, and, and that's um, that's where I started 20 odd five years ago like uh, it was exactly that save money and and keep my lifestyle uh rent rent where i want to live and then my investments are growing without me doing a whole of a lot to it Um, but just yeah remember to keep your eye on that prize of of your own home and when you want that and how much deposit and you've actually got a plan of attack there because drawing the equity out of your investment property for your own rock is not ideal because that's still a loan that's non-tax deductible. I would rather keep the asset and draw equity out to buy other investment properties and just save cash for my 10, 15, 20% deposit on my own home because that's non-tax deductible. It almost seems like it's a path that you have to kind of, well, just from how you've described it, like one investment property might lead to another. So it seems like there's quite a division, like <laughs> whether I want to fully commit to, no, I want to buy my place that I live in or whether I want to kind of really commit to the investing route. Yeah, well, you can sell down on that investment property to buy your own home if that's what you want to do. But I just wouldn't do that if you were thinking that was going to be a three to five year plan. I'd rather that be a 10 year plan to, to let that investment do its thing. Right, so it'd be better to have that investment doing its thing while still saving cash, 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 cash to then use as a deposit for an arc. And and still keep both properties. Yeah, you've got you've had a win win then. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, and if you need a a buyer's agent for investment searching, mm. then um, what would I do? Yeah, you might Google have search into a Google search. <laughs> yeah, how's that, Zoe? If we um if we covered off, have have we given you clarity? Yes, you've given me clarity, but you've also given me a to-do list and you've given me um, a few more things to um, investigate and you've kind of narrowed down that big investigation that I was doing. (laughs) 
yeah, communication is key with your partner. Um, mortgage broker, strategic thinking, 12 months of, of business financials, how's that work? What will it look like if it's post-July for two years of financials? Um, parental guarantor, what's the situation look like there? Having conversation with your partner's parents and then researching the markets to see what that money will buy us and then what mortgage we're comfortable with as a maximum that's not going to impact lifestyle. But then if it is investment route, making sure you have a, an eye on the prize to have a good solid savings plan for that owner rock at some stage. Yeah, and I, I think I, by you saying, you know, have the investment property doing it, saying, and then keep up the cash savings was something I hadn't, well, obviously I would be saving regardless, but I think I had kind of thought, oh no, I can use that as the deposit of the investment property. So that's definitely given me a lot to think about. And you can too, but I, I, ideally I wouldn't like to. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, it's uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, thank you for allowing me into your uh, financials and uh, and your and your emotions and everything else My that goes with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, thank so, you. Yeah, hope you found that valuable. So, um, everyone else, thank you for tuning in and look forward to chatting soon. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.